But today we're talking about when you're going along in life, you're going along in your relationships, and the wheels just completely fall off. One comment, one thing, man, I've got kids and they're in elementary school, middle school and high school, pray for me, right? And so, and sometimes the kids come home and it's like, so-and-so said this and now, you know, so-and-so's not talking to so-and-so and, and, and you know, in middle school, elementary school, it could just be one simple comment, right? And, and in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big of a deal, but man, for in their, in their world, it just completely rocked them and the wheels fell off. You know, it could be, it be, could be one act. Maybe you were uninvited or maybe that person didn't talk to you at the party or didn't even acknowledge that you were there and, and, and you got offended. Maybe it was something a lot more serious. Maybe there was infidelity or betrayal or just a breach of trust. But I know that, that our relationships can kind of kind of be like a, an onion where you peel back the layers or, or like a potato, you start peeling it and all of a sudden underneath you find something that wasn't there before. You find that black spot and it's like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep peeling. And I don't know if, you, if you're like me, you're peeling potatoes and you find that and you're just like, you go into overdrive. I'm gonna just like peel that thing out of there. I wanna get that out. And it's kind of like that in relationships. Everything looks fine on the outside sometimes, but then time passes like we've been talking about. And you see something you didn't see before and, and things happen and it hurts. And so as we talk about this today, when the wheels fall off, we're gonna look at some scriptures, we're gonna look at some experiences, but I pray that, man, God put some tools in your tool belt today so that when they do fall off, and they will, or maybe you're right in the midst of a season where, where they've completely fallen off and, and you feel like your, your life as you knew it is just hanging in the balance, that you'll have a clear outlook of how to go forward. And so let's get started. If you wanna grab your notes or open your app, the notes should be there as well. Uh, one cool thing with our new app update, it's actually there's blanks on the app. So if you open up your phone, you go to Mosaic Church app and go to the notes, you can actually fill in the blanks on the app. And I just think that is so cool. And um, when John told me, I was like, amazing. And so check that out. And thank you, John Holtkamp, for that. But number one, the first thing that we see when the wheels fall off is we got to remember that offense will happen. It absolutely will happen. Some of us, we just live in this dream world and we think that you know, nothing bad is ever gonna happen to us or, and we're just so caught off guard when it happens. How many of you know that if you know it's coming, you might, you just maybe won't get as caught off guard? Have you ever thought to yourself after you left you know, an interaction with somebody and you say to yourself, I can't believe that they did that. Has anybody ever said that? Right? I can't believe that they did that. And then you kind of you step back and you think about your life and it's like, well, maybe I can't believe that they did that. Like, I've done that, people have done that. I don't really know why I was so surprised that they did that. In Isaiah 53, three through four, it's, it's a classic prophecy verse about Jesus. And it says, he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and he looked the other and, and looked and we looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. Do you think God ever looked at you and looked at us and said, I can't believe they did that? It would seem to me, looking at scripture, then the very fact that this was a prophecy 
that God knew. He knew it was going to happen. He knew, you know, we had already turned our backs on him in the garden and we'd been turning our backs on him ever since. And, and he knew that this offense was going to happen to Jesus. And so if Jesus himself was despised and rejected, there's a good chance you will be too by someone at some point. Maybe you've heard it said before, hurt people, hurt people. Has anybody ever heard that statement? Hurt people, hurt people. Somehow knowing this doesn't make it feel any better when it happens to us. And it can still catch us off guard, especially when it's people that we once trusted, we once had put our, our faith in, we once had, had given them maybe a part of our hearts, we, we had let them in. And when that trust is breached, we are just so incredibly surprised. And so the first step is just acknowledging offense will happen. But here's what I know. It's really hard to fix what you can't define. Right? If you don't know, if you take your car to the mechanic, but he doesn't know what's wrong, right? He searches, he looks, he, 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 he can't put his finger on it. It's really hard for him to fix it, right? Have you ever gone to, you've taken your car to the mechanic and he fixes one thing and it's like, oh, it wasn't that. So you take it back, he fixes another thing. Oh, it wasn't that. And after a while, you're like, do you know what you're doing? Right? And why does that happen? Because you can't fix what you don't define. And so it's really important when it comes to offense to, to think and to do some introspection and to really define what we're talking about, what kind of offense we're talking about. And so we're going to talk real quick about three different levels of offense because offenses are going to happen, but you can't fix it if you don't define it. And so the first level of defense is, is just a simple offense. And it's probably in the grand scheme of things not even worth addressing. These kind of offenses happen every day. You get cut off on the highway. You get, um, you know, you get talked to in a maybe less than polite way. This is a passing comment, maybe a look, maybe an attitude. In 1 Corinthians 13, 5, where it's talking about love, it says that love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. And so these simple offenses, these are things that really probably aren't that big of a deal. Maybe it's a, it was a, a comment about your appearance that you just took the wrong way. Maybe if somebody was teasing you or ribbing you, but you took it personally. Maybe you were not invited to a party that you think you should have been invited before. Maybe somebody's body language was just offensive to you. Maybe somebody had a self-centered attitude and you just can't believe they did that. Maybe it was a bad customer service experience and you were just, you carried it with you the rest of the day. Maybe it was a lack of self-awareness in somebody else's part. And we talked about that in week one. And it's like, and you just had that thought, I can't believe they can be so not self-aware. You know, a long time ago in ministry, a mentor of mine taught me, you got to have thick skin and a soft heart, right? a thick skin and a soft heart, which means that, man, I'm not gonna let these little things derail me. I'm not gonna let them get me off track, right? And I'm gonna have a soft heart towards people, may, maybe seeing past the offense, seeing past what, what they've done to me so that I can keep the wheels on. Many times, I know that the inability to deal with these simple offenses that sometimes we let grow into big offenses, is due to large offenses in your life that you have not yet dealt with. 
and you're just touchy and you're on edge and, you, and you're just offended at everything, right? But I would just want to challenge you today. If you can't deal with a simple offense, Lord, help you when the tough stuff hits. And that's why we got to get this verse in our heart. Hey, if, if I'm going to be a, somebody who loves like Jesus, I'm not going to be easily angered. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to keep record of these little, these little things. I'm not going to keep record of it. You know, we talked last week about the relational bank. Can you imagine trying to keep track of everyone else's balance sheets all by yourself? Exhausting. But some of us do. And all it does is just grow the bitterness in our own hearts. Other times, if we're really offended by these simple offenses, by things that are really just just small, small fries, it's because we have a low tank. Our tank is low. And we just need some time with Jesus to reset our perspective. And so that's the first level, it's just simple offenses. Then there's the second level of offense. These are legitimate offenses that, that are, you know, we, you know, we should address them. A conversation is needed. This person hurt me, or maybe I hurt them, and hey, it is warranted that they're offended or I'm offended. And reconciliation is possible though. And so it's a legitimate thing. Maybe there is some betrayal, maybe some gossip, maybe some slander, maybe even a little bit of, of, of acting out of hatred or, or just anger, lost the temper. And, and it's like, man, this was, this was a little bit bigger deal. Well, Jesus gave us some really clear instructions in Matthew chapter 18. And I'm just gonna summarize it real quick today because we've got a lot to cover. But in, 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 in summary, Jesus basically said, go alone, go now, and go first. Can you write that down? Go alone, go now, and go first. And so instead of talking to everybody about what they did to you, you're going to go alone to that person. You're going to do it as soon as possible, and you're going to go first. Some of you are like, well, I'm waiting for them to come talk to me. They should know what they did. Well, the Bible says whether you're the offended or whether you're the one that did the offense, go. That's what Jesus says in Matthew 18. And you can study that week and study that this week on your own. And so when a legitimate offense happens, you got to remember that you can't control their reaction, but you can do your part. And the process that Jesus lays out for us in Matthew chapter 18 is way more about your heart than that person receiving justice. God is the administrator of justice. And so when a legitimate offense happens, I'm going to go alone. I'm going to go now. I'm going to go first. I'm going to do my best to reconcile the relationship. And then I'm going to leave it in God's hands. Right? So those are legitimate offenses. I really do need to talk to you or you need to talk to me. We need to figure this out. But we're going to reconcile. We're going to love. We're going to put this past us. And then... The third level of offense is a life-altering injustice. A life-altering injustice where forgiveness might be possible, but the relationship probably isn't going to go back to what it once was. 
You know, things in this category are extreme. They could be abuse, physical abuse or emotional or, or, you know, all kinds of abuses, maybe even murder or a lack of faithfulness in a marriage and cheating. Um, it could be something like a drunk driver hits somebody and they die. And it's like, oh, you know, um, you know, I might forgive that drunk driver, but we're not going to have a relationship. You know, it, it, it changes the course of your life, Right. The relationship might not go back to what it was, but your heart can forgive and you can experience healing. Man, I've heard all kinds of miracle stories about, about offenses like this. One that just really jumps out in my mind, if, if, if you've seen that movie about the missionary in South America called The End of the Spear, where he went to bring the gospel to a tribe and, and the leader of this tribe killed him. Killed him. And the wife of that missionary Guess what she did? She kept going. She kept, they kept trying to figure out how to get the gospel of that tribe. Years later, that man that killed her husband met Jesus. And guess what? That, the, that wife of that man that he killed, they became friends. And total restoration and forgiveness and reconciliation happened because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so it's possible, it's possible but these are life-altering injustices, right? And man, if something like this has happened to you, I just want to encourage you today to be open to forgiveness, but to remember that forgiveness is not the same as trust, right? You got to protect your family in some instances. You, you know, some counseling is absolutely going to be needed. And so those are the three levels of offense. And so you got to define it. What kind of offense am I dealing with? Is this something that I should just get over? I need to just get over it. Is this something that I need to have a conversation with somebody about? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go alone and I'm going to go now and I'm going to go first. Or is this a life-altering injustice? And I, need, I need to get some professional help. I need to figure out some boundaries in my life and what that's going to look like. I might, might even need to remove myself from a situation. But in general, when it comes to offenses, many times we just want to ignore it, right? Many times we just want to ignore it. We just want to move on. We don't want to address it. And because of this, we go from relationship to relationship. We go from church to church and we never grow to maturity or Christ likeness. And so the first step is just saying offenses are going to happen. I need to define it and then I need to deal with it. The second thing that we need to do when the wheels fall off in our relationship, we need to realize that offense unaddressed will rot your soul and destroy your relationships. Offense unaddressed will rot your soul and destroy your relationships. I want to present two examples to you today to illustrate this. In the Bible, two dudes, one in the Old Testament, one in the New. The first is King Saul. King Saul, he was selected to be the first king of Israel. And Saul pretty quickly was started to be threatened by other people's successes, especially David. If you remember David, he was young, he was a teenager, and he kills Goliath. And so everyone loves David. Everybody thinks David is gonna be the next king. And Saul, all of a sudden, is full of insecurity. And Saul at that point, and here's, here's the kicker, he didn't care about being right with God, he wanted to be seen as right by men. And that was probably the heart issue, 
where he didn't deal with this insecurity or this offense in the right way. Saul was so plagued with insecurity that David hadn't even done something offensive against Saul, and yet Saul hated David. Have you ever been there? Maybe you're so offended by somebody that doesn't even know you, that hasn't even ever done anything directly to you. And church, I just want to challenge your hearts today because we live in an age where politically and um, just when it comes to leadership in our communities, we begin to harbor hatred towards people that we see on a screen that we've never even met. It's a dangerous place to be. To think that you know somebody that you've read about, know somebody in some leadership position that you begin to just loathe them. And if you do that, you fall into the same trap that Saul fell into. Here David comes along, he, he kills Goliath. All of a sudden people like him and Saul begins to feel threatened. And before David had ever even done anything that could have possibly been counted as an, as a, as an offense against Saul, Saul hated David. Saul refused to deal with his own security, his own insecurity, his own emotions, his own failures. And so guess what? The spirit of God left him. Did I mention that offense unaddressed will rot your soul and destroy your relationships? Not just your relationships with other people, but your relationship with Jesus. Listen, if you continually try to fix yourself on your own, guess what? God will let you try and you will fail. If you continually try to just deal with offenses and relationships in your own strength, in your own power, the way that you think is best, they'll fall apart. And it's gonna hurt your relationship with God. If you could have fixed your relationships or yourself on your own, you would have already. And that's, that's what we see from the life of Saul. He tried to do it on his own. He didn't rely on God or his power or his sovereignty. In Hebrews 12, 15, it says something um, incredibly powerful to us. It says, watch out. Everybody say, watch out. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. To trouble you, corrupting many. Here's what happens. When we don't address the offenses in our life, when we let them go on and on and on and we let it stew and we let the bitterness grow, then this root of bitterness starts to grow in our lives. Anybody have those dumb honeysuckle trees in the yard? Oh my goodness, what a pain. You try to dig them out, you get all manly, you get your ax out of the garage and you're like, I'm taking this thing down. You spend a few minutes, you get the grinder and you're like, sparks are flying everywhere. You're sharpening this ax and you're like, I'm gonna tell this honeysuckle um, what's up. And you go out and you hit that thing and your ax like boing, bounces off that thing and it's like, oh, and that honeysuckle totally owns you. That's what bitterness and unforgiveness does to your heart. You think you can handle it. You think you've got it under control. You think that you're gonna be all right. You won't. You won't. It's gonna grow up in your heart. It's gonna trouble you. It's gonna be invasive. And then it's gonna start corrupting everybody else and everything else in your life. Saul was inwardly troubled. 
Saul's actions hurt himself. Remember, it's, the Bible says the Holy Spirit left him. And it hurt those around him. Damaged his relationship with his son. Damaged his relationship with David. Damaged his, his relationship with the prophet. Damaged his relationship with everybody. Listen. When you harbor bitterness, when you harbor offense, when you harbor grudges in your heart, you've heard me say this before, it's like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die from it. Saul was miserable and he expected David to die. He chased him around for years trying to kill David when he was the one that was miserable. Listen, things will never go well for you as long as you're wishing someone else's demise. Never whether it's a politician, an ex-spouse, a boss, a former friend, as long as you're harboring those thoughts in your heart that you just want wrong, you want bad things to happen to them, it's gonna rot your soul. So let's turn to our second character. Because if offense is unaddressed, it will rot your soul. And so the next person that we're gonna look at is Matthew. He's the disciple in the New Testament. Of Jesus, he was a tax collector. And what we're going to see in his story is that sometimes the most powerful parts of a story are the parts that aren't there. The, the parts that you don't even plainly see. The things that aren't said. The things that aren't even mentioned. Let's dig into it. Listen in Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. This is, and, just, and this is why we need to understand the context of what we're reading. This is Matthew telling his own story. He's telling his story. Listen to how he tells it. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as, as dinner guests along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Now remember, Matthew's writing this, and I can imagine that when the Pharisees came and publicly asked Jesus, why are you eating with scum? And the scum that they were talking about were sitting right in the room. We're sitting there, that would be a little bit offensive if you're publicly called scum in front of everybody else. And so when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. Side note. A lot of us, we want to come to church. We want to do all the stuff. We want to read the Bible. We want to, we want to you know, raise our hands. We want to sing the songs. All the things that we enjoy. We want to offer sacrifices. But God is looking right at us square in the eye today and saying, I want you to show mercy. I want you to let go of the offense. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Man. Now you think about that, not just as somebody random telling this story, but as Matthew 
Matthew, the tax collector, telling his own story. Let's unpack this a little bit. Matthew was despised. One commentary says it like this. It says that he was a man bitterly opposed. He was talked about. He was gossiped about. He was hated, not just by a few, but by everyone. Matthew was so detested that he was classified with the worst of sinners in Luke chapter 15, verse 1. He was a tax collector for a conquering nation. He had, been, he had become wealthy by extortion, so wealthy that he was able to own a large house enough to handle a huge crowd and a large feast. He was immoral, he was unjust, he was money-hungry, and he was worldly-minded. He cared more for possessions and wealth than for people. Through the years, he had become unloving, Hard, difficult, bitter, and worst of all, without love, purpose, meaning, or significance in life. That was Matthew. He had probably hurt people. He'd been the offender, and he probably carried some offense as well. Why? Because we know that hurt people hurt people. The guilt from all sides should have crushed Matthew like a bug, both because he had been hurt and he was hurting so many people. But what we see here in this passage, actually what we don't see here in this passage, is that there's a massive difference in the believer's response to offense. Because years later, when Matthew comes around to tell his story, The point of the story was not how bad Matthew was or how much he had been hurt or all the offense that he had gone through. The point was to let everybody know, hey, you need to show mercy, not just offer sacrifices. You need to, you know, kind of like we see in the New Testament, to leave your gift at the altar and go make things right. Why? Because Jesus came to save you and he came to save them and he came to show grace to all people, even those people that hurt you. Right? Matthew's retelling of his own story had obviously been processed, thought through, and then retold through the lens of Christ and his grace. Isn't that amazing? Think about it. On the other side of your offense, once you have dealt with it, once you've addressed it, you've decided you're not gonna let it rot your soul, you're not gonna let it ruin your relationships. On the other side of the offense, how are you gonna bring glory to Christ with your life? You see, when Matthew told his story, it wasn't woe is me, it was great is he, right? It wasn't look what I went through and look what I had to to come through. No, it was look how great our God is who comes for broken people just like me. Listen, church, where offense naturally leads you, it will harm you every single time. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. And so we got to remember that my response to an offense can be just as harmful as the initial hurt that was done to me. That's why trying to navigate offenses without Jesus is futile. What else can we conclude from Matthew's example? Number three, we got to remember that I must control myself. 
I've got to, just plain and simple, I have to control myself. I've got to submit my reactions to Christ. I've got to shine the spotlight on him because it's way more about him than it is about me. My tongue, my feelings, my temper, my reactions, I've all got to bring it under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Whether I have to count to 10, whether I have to count to 30, 60, 24 hours, or, or, or however long it takes, I have just got to simmer down and control myself. I gotta do whatever it takes to get myself under control. Why? Because sometimes the most impactful things in life are the things you don't do or you don't say. Just like we see in the life of Matthew. James 1, 19 through 20 says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So as we see, when we, when we listen to Matthew's story, in telling his own story, he put the spotlight on Christ and his mission. He was very calculated with his words. He told the story that put Christ on display. Why? Because Jesus is always the answer. And so I've got to control myself. I've got to choose my words wisely and put the focus on him. Sometimes, let's just be blunt, the most holy thing that you can do in life is to shut your mouth. <laughs> me too. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, bite my tongue. Lord, help me be quiet, right? Help me be slow to speak. Help me to wait, just wait till tomorrow. Help me to not go all turbo thumbs and, and, and send this text or email right now. I'm just gonna put it down. I'm gonna count to 5,000 <laughs> and I'll respond tomorrow. Number four, when the wheels fall off, you gotta remember that every offense, no matter what it is, no matter how big, how small, how little, how great, it's an opportunity to show the gospel to someone. Every offense is an opportunity to show the gospel to someone. Now, when I say this, I'm not minimizing what was done to you. I'm not minimizing how painful it is. And how do we know this? Because Jesus was despised and rejected, and he took all the suffering of the whole world on himself on the cross. And so being forgiving is painful. We see that by the example of Christ. Being a forgiving person is extremely painful. But we see Matthew using his own story, his own platform, and his opportunity to write and tell the whole world about how he came to follow Jesus. We saw him use that as an opportunity to tell everyone else that Jesus came for you too. So in Matthew's greatest offense, he chose to use that as an opportunity to prop up Christ. He said Jesus came for, not for the healthy, but for the sick. He came for you too. What does it say in John 13, 35? It says your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And so when we're offended, and inevitably we will be, when the wheels fall off and things happen, when those, that person that goes to church and, and you thought, man, that, they go to church. I can't believe they acted like that. Have you ever said that? They're on a ministry team. They're a life group leader. They're a pastor. I can't believe they did that. We've got to remember that in my state of being offended, 
I've got an opportunity. I have an opportunity to show the gospel to everyone involved. Life is just too short, church, to live offended. I don't know who said it, but it got pretty popular recently and you maybe have heard people say, an offense is an event, but living offended is a choice, right? An offense, that's just, it happened, right? And maybe it was small, maybe it was medium-sized, maybe it was huge. But living offended in a perpetual state of just anger and I'm never gonna let it go, that's a choice. And so we gotta shift from that and say, Jesus, how can I lift you up? How can I lift you up in this offense? How can I take the spotlight off of how I've been hurt and the spotlight on how you can heal? Jesus, how can I choose to forgive and show extravagant grace like you showed to me? The first step to being able to show mercy to others, right? Because Jesus said, I want you to show mercy, not just offer sacrifices. The first step to being able to do that is to experience the grace and mercy of God for yourself. And so some of you, you're so bound up by offense and you're angry at everything. Maybe you're listening to too much talk radio, who knows? You're just angry, angry. You look at the world and and its brokenness and everything that's happening and and you just get more offended. You pull up to the pump and you see the gas price and you're just like, right? And, And you find yourself just living in a perpetual state of just wanting to go off on people. And unfortunately, the people that get the brunt of it are your spouse, your kids, co-workers, the people you spend so much time with, and maybe they start to wonder, man, what, what, is, what is going on? And God is just speaking to you this morning, hey, I want you to start showing mercy. Start divvying out grace. Start pointing the spotlight on Jesus and not just what was done to you. And so the first step to be able to show mercy to others is experiencing grace and mercy of God for yourself. So if you could bow your heads and close your eyes today, if that's you, you say, I I need to experience God's mercy. I need forgiveness. I need him to change my heart. I need Jesus today. If that's you, just raise your hand. I wanna pray with you. If you say, Joe, I've got an offense. I need to lay at the foot of the cross. I I need to forgive. But first I need Jesus to forgive me. If that's you, raise your hand. And we're gonna pray a prayer, just asking God to, to forgive us today, to save us, to help us to have a soft heart. Amen, let's pray. God, I pray for all those that have raised their hands. I pray for those that didn't raise their hand, but they've got something going on in, the, on in their heart. I pray that you just meet them right where they're at. And Jesus, I pray that they pray a prayer with me right now that just says, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me for not forgiving others the same way that you forgave me. I accept your free gift of salvation. I accept what you did for, for, on the cross for me. I trust you with my life. Help me, Jesus, to not just accept this amazing gift of salvation for myself, but help me to begin to forgive others. Give me wisdom in how I navigate those relationships based on the level of offense, but help me to put you first in all of it. Help me, Jesus. I give you my life, I give you my own. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.